Hello and welcome to the Go Sell Something podcast. I'm Rob Murphy, and here at Affinity, we multiply your profits by helping you build and optimize your team. We have with us today Mr. Rick Jocks, the chairman and CEO of Medify Health. He started out in the real estate syndication business and switched over to healthcare in 1992. He has over 30 years of leadership experience in healthcare and orchestrated the turnaround of a pre-existing company between 2016 and 18, and in 2018 renamed it Medify Health as it's known today. They've blasted through their growth goals and now provide telemedicine services for over 450 doctors. They're in a position now of just trying to keep up with growth, and it's a huge success story. Rick, thanks so much for being with us today. Happy to be here. Can you share the story of Medify a little bit, how it got started and, and the turnaround there and how much success you've now had? Yeah, Rob, I, I, I want to correct one thing you mentioned, and this is a, a, an error that a lot of people don't understand the difference. But we actually don't provide telemedicine. Okay. I would say we, we're in the telehealth business. Okay. And the distinction is most people, when they consider telemedicine, that's a you know virtual encounter between a physician and a patient. You know, much like uh, it, it'd be like an office visit, but it's done virtually. It's done remotely. Okay. And there's there's an audio and visual component to that, and 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 that's actually not what we're do, what we're doing. Um, you know, let me give you a little bit of background on Medify. Um, Medify really started out. Um, actually, I'll back up a little bit. When I was at Covenant Surgical Partners, um, uh, some friends of mine brought a diagnostic tool to us that they thought would work well in our GI centers. And uh, so when, when, when my old COO, Chris Obrey, and I left and went to work with these, uh, these investors, um, we thought about building a business around this diagnostic tool. So we went out to a lot of the gastroenterologists that we had worked with over the years, people that we'd had a longstanding relationship with, and tried to explore the feasibility of building a business around this technology. Uh, it worked. It was fine, but there were two problems with it. Uh, number one, uh, it was showing all these gastroenterologists health issues that plagued their patients but they weren't equipped to manage. And number two, even if they wanted to use the tool, they probably didn't need us uh, to do it. So it, we found rather quickly that it wasn't a great business. Uh, however, uh, through this process, we uncovered a, a really significant uh, issue uh, in, in GI and that a lot of their patients were plagued with a number of chronic uh, diseases that were going to affect their lives and you know affect the cost of delivering healthcare to them. So we started exploring ways to uh, really man help these physicians manage uh, their patients. Hmm. Uh, through that process, we, we learned that Medicare had recently developed um, a chronic care management program and that we could utilize that program to uh, provide these services um, to the patients of these gastroenterologists. It was a program that was done under general supervision incident too, so they could actually outsource a number of these services to, uh, to their patients. 
About that same time, the AGA, uh, which is one of the uh, GI associations, had um, put together a white paper that was led by Dr. Uh, Naresh Gunaratan. And they did an analysis and determined that the concentration of obese patients really were in the, uh, in the GI space, in the GI practice. And the gastroenterologists had a responsibility uh, to help uh, treat the, these obese patients. It's also interesting that about that same time, Medicare said that the three biggest issues facing um, the, the health of this country were, in no particular order, the opio- opioid epidemic, obesity, and access to care. And so the program that we were trying to provide was something that would um, would also help address at least two of those problems um, for healthcare. So that's where we started putting together a program that would utilize uh, chronic care management from Medicare. Uh, today, remote patient monitoring has been introduced as well. And we focus exclusively in the GI space on Medicare patients, uh, helping these physicians on a remote basis manage uh, their patients who have um, chronic disease. Okay, incredible. Well, that's very cool. And I know it's it's been a, a huge success. So, and I know when, when founding a business or turning around a business, you're really selling in every direction. You're selling people and joining your team. You're selling existing people on change internally, and you're selling new clients on signing up. Can you talk a little bit about how you sold this turnaround? Mm. Yeah, I tell you, it was really difficult. Uh, and I'm going to go back. When I started at AmSurge, um, we were I, I, we were develop we were helping gastroenterologists develop uh, their own endoscopy center. And without going into the economics of that type of transaction, take my word for it that it was an incredibly lucrative opportunity for gastroenterologists at the time. Mm-hmm. But when I went out and started selling to uh, the GIs, they found every reason in the world not to do it. Some reasons just made absolutely no sense to me at all. But um, but we persevered, and ultimately, it was the right thing to do. And over a long period of time, uh, pretty much every gastroenterologist in the country that can warrant having their own endoscopy center does. So it proved to be the right thing. Mm-hmm. But with physicians, inertia is a very difficult thing to overcome. You know, getting them to change direction is, is, is very, very hard. So sure. when we went out with this program to try to uh, to bring chronic disease management to the gastroenterologists, uh, we met a, a great deal of uh, resistance. Uh, we met a guy down in Jackson, Mississippi, on a completely separate type of issue, and he's now our chief medical officer. He's uh, the leader of probably the most progressive GI group I've I've seen in the country. Hmm. He's a real forward thinker. And he presented an issue to us early on that, um, that fatty liver disease, the various stages of fatty liver disease, is, uh, is a huge issue for gastroenterologists. And that, that he recognized that they had a responsibility to do something about it. As it turns out, uh, it really is at, meta, at, at epidemic proportions because we're estimating that about 40% of the entire population suffers from it. Wow. And it's a lifestyle disease. It's primarily driven by the metabolic syndrome conditions such as obesity, hyperlipidemia, hyperglycemia, um, hypertension, and so forth. 
And they and these gastroenterologists have not had any program um, to really deal with this. So he worked with us <clears throat> to put together, um, you know, our, our product and our plan. And uh, his name recognition was, was very helpful. But as we went out and talked to GIs, we did meet a lot of resistance. Quite honestly, maybe the, I don't say maybe, the, the, the most likely factor that accelerated things was with us, this COVID epidemic. It had a huge impact on us. That makes sense. What really was that effect? What changed when COVID happened? And what did that look like for you guys? Well, if you, if you go back to what I said about the, uh, the endoscopy centers and, and, and trying to deal with physician inertia, physicians are typically slow to change. And when things are working for them, it's really difficult to get them changed. And what happened when uh, this epidemic started, health emergency, not only in the United States, but in the world, uh, elective procedures were shut down, uh, physicians' offices were shut down, and they had time on their hands. Um, they weren't able to do their colonoscopies. They weren't able to do their EGDs. They weren't able to see patients. They, were, they weren't making any money. So, A, they had time on their hands. Number two, they were looking for ancillary sources of revenue to support the losses that they were experiencing at that time. So, uh, and then uh, the second part of that would be that um, they recognized that uh, something virtual, which is really outside the norm for GIs, was something that was, was becoming more and more acceptable. Uh, for instance, we would have meetings virtually. So we weren't getting on airplanes and having to go see everybody, which made us way more efficient sure. in our ability to transact business. And then the third piece is that um, the, the patients all of a sudden became way more receptive uh, to this type of health care. So the, the physicians had time. They needed more income. They needed something to replace what they were losing. We provided that. We could do it virtually. They were open to it. Patients were more open to it much more accepting of it. And then the last piece is, during this emergency, the OIG uh, decided with CMS that uh, out-of-pocket expenses for this type of care no longer were required to be um, collected by the physicians. Hmm. So it, it broadened the patient base uh, with whom we could offer these services. And as a result, um, you know, we've seen probably five times the number of physicians under contract, uh, the, the sales process has become way easier. Uh, we've been able to enroll more patients uh, because of their acceptance of this new technology and new way of doing health. Uh, so COVID was a real, you know, I know it's been tragic for so many people, but it's been, a, it's been very uh, beneficial to our company. Very interesting. It's always good to hear about things that have been positively affected by COVID because I know there was so much bad that came out of it. But just like y'all, there are industries that are booming and hiring people and providing new mm -hmm. opportunities and advancing uh, as a result of what happened there. Mm -hmm. So as you look at the upcoming year, what is your current growth plan? What are your sales efforts and targets look like? I know you're right now you're focused on keeping up with growth, but what do y'all want to do at Medify in the next year? really two things. We, we don't want to turn away business. Sure. Uh, so we're trying to slowly implement the new business that continues to come in, almost in spite of us. <laughs> but uh, we really need to catch up 
from uh, a quality standpoint. Uh, we have, um, for instance, we have care coordinators who are medical assistants and, uh, and LPNs, and some of them have too many patients that they're trying to care for. So we're trying to you know, catch up, hire more people so that uh, uh, they can provide um, you know, more concentrated care uh, to the patients that they have. We, we've, got, we've got some people that are a little bit overworked at this point. Mm-hmm. Uh, with any new business and any new industry, we, we really have to continue to improve the care that we provide from a standpoint of content and from a standpoint of you know, the timing and the individualized efforts that we're making. So I would say the biggest focus right now is trying to catch up, uh, improve the quality of the product, uh, we take a great deal of pride that we want to provide the absolute best health care that we can within the parameters that Medicare has provided. I think we're doing a good job, but I think we can do a much better job. So I'd say one hand, continue to handle as best we can the growth that we're experiencing, and in the meantime, play catch up on the quality of, of our deliverable. Great problems to have. So, Rick, what advice do you have for other people that are either building a business, turning around a business, trying to take something that exists into a new direction? What would you share with others? That's a really hard question. I have a friend who used to be an investment banker, and he helped a lot of businesses raise money, and then he decided to go into a different direction, and he went with a startup, and I think it was very, very difficult. He grabbed me one day, and he said, I had no idea how difficult it is to start a new business, how, how difficult it is to be an entrepreneur, you know, the emotional ups and downs. I mean, some days you're, you're riding high and you think good things are happening and the next day you're as low as you can be because, you know, you've lost the sale or you've lost a client or you didn't raise the money you thought you were going to. Mm-hmm. So I think that the ability to have courage and faith in what you're trying to do is really, really difficult because the, the emotional roller coaster in starting a new business can be overwhelming uh, to so many people. Right. The second thing I would say is I think one of the biggest mistakes that I see people make in starting a business is, you know, they come up with some type of product or service and we would say they're, they're a solution looking for a problem. So they may have come up with something, but there may not be a market need for that problem at the time. So I would encourage anyone who's looking to to start something new or or revamp something, find out what the problem is. Find the need that exists and try to find a solution for that need. Uh, it's a terrible place to be when you've got a solution looking for a problem. And unfortunately, I know a lot of people who've, who've gone down that road and it doesn't typically end very well. The final piece that I would say is you can never have enough capital when you start out. So, you know, I would encourage people to make sure they've got the, the staying power uh, mm-hmm. to really give their, their new venture the opportunity to achieve success because it always takes more money than you think and it always takes a whole lot longer than you think. And when I say a whole lot longer, I mean two, three times so more so. So, those are the really the three places of advice I, I think I would I would focus on. Well, that is excellent advice, and I can tell you from what we've done over the past year, you couldn't be any more accurate about any of those things. That's about all the time we have today. I know you're a busy guy. I want to let you get back to it, Rick. Thank you so much for being here today. 
Oh, Rob, it was my pleasure. I enjoy talking about our, our business. We're excited about our, our future prospects. Awesome. Well, I learned a lot today, and, and to our listeners, thank you for your time, and I hope you learned something too. I'm sure you did. There's no way that you knew everything of what was just said. I'll just say that. Have a great day. Go sell something. Thank you.